congregation may be seated. Let us begin our service in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. To the family and friends of Lucas, you have our deepest sympathies in our prayers. Lucas Jose Salguero, age 31, of Maple Grove, passed away at his parents' home on December 17, 2023. He was born in Fridley on May 28, 1991, to Pablo and Debbie Salguero. He was baptized and confirmed in the Apostolic Lutheran Church. He graduated from Osseo Senior High, and while in school, he participated in soccer, debate, musicals, speech, and orchestra. For many years, he participated in Boy Scouts and enjoyed the various trips and activities, learning and earning badges. Lucas continued his education at Minnesota State University, Moorhead, with a Bachelor of Science in Liberal Arts in Music and Sound Technician. And he was working on getting his master's degree in music therapy at Augsburg University. He traveled to China as part of his education with Augsburg. Throughout his life, Lucas worked at various jobs, restaurants, retail, music, sound industry, and music lessons for children. Music was a passion for Lucas, as he enjoyed concerts, listening to music, as well as writing song lyrics and composing songs. He enjoyed various instruments. He also enjoyed travel, playing games, reading, writing, poetry, nutrition, and cooking, fishing, and spending time with his cats, Lily and Athena. Lucas was preceded in death by his grandparents, Antonio and Zoila Salguero of Guatemala, and his grandfather, Alvin Amberg of New York Mills. His aunt, Dee Salguero, his cousins, Joshua and Joshua Salguero and Christopher Matson. Lucas is survived by his parents, Pablo and Debbie Salguero, 
grandmother, Louise Amberg Chocola, brother, Sam, with Emily Salguero, nephews, Archie and Theo Salguero, and numerous uncles, aunts, cousins, and friends. Amen. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Almighty, merciful, and eternal God, thou who by reason of sin has appointed unto man that he must die, thou who also, that we may not eternally remain in the power of death, suffered thy only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die, and hath thus, by his great work of redemption, destroyed the power of death, that it has no more dominion over us. Turn thy fatherly face now toward us, your children, and grant us thy holy grace in conducting this funeral, that we may ever be reminded how we too, when thou wilt call us, shall return to dust, being mindful that here we have no abiding city. Grant us the grace, O merciful God, to seek that which is eternal, and so to live in this world according to your will, that we, with all the faithful in Christ, may rise on the last day to everlasting life. Amen. Now hear us, Lord, as together we pray that most perfect prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. At this time, there will be a eulogy by Barb and Gordy Lund. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Is it on? Okay. Um, I asked family members for their favorite memories of Lucas. Lucas was intelligent. Humorous, goofy, playful, inquisitive, inventive, witty, kind, caring, musical. He liked cooking, making healthy smoothies, and he cared about social justice. We all good, had good times with Lucas, camping, hiking, fishing, traveling, and game nights were epic. We often would laugh so loudly late into the night that mom would have to tell us to be quiet. Lucas loved collecting things and seldom threw anything away. His room told a story of his life with his baby shoes, musical instruments, poetry, art, souvenirs, and lots of cat hair. Um, where am I? Lucas's first language was Spanish, and he embraced his Guatemalan heritage much more than his Finnish side unless his stubbornness came from the Finn side. When Lucas was 10 on our trip to Guatemala, we traveled by van. This is my memory. All, we traveled all around the country, and every stop we made, Lucas, he was 10, he piled rocks into the van. And every stop we made, I threw rocks out of the van. I think I won the war on that one. He was also my translator at city markets, helping me barter. He did a very good job. Lucas and Gordy used to continually compete in puns inside song identification to the point where others around them would roll their eyes. One of Jessica's favorite memories was when Lucas, Amelia's godfather, joined them at the Children's Museum, and Jessica took a picture of him standing alone, paying to get into the Children's Museum. And she posted on Facebook, creepy guy coming to the Children's Museum alone. <laughs> he was always up for a good laugh or even a joke, even at his own expense. Lucas was a great godfather and uncle. He bought the best gifts, often musical, and he enjoyed spending time with the little ones. Sam and Emily have so many wonderful memories and pictures of traveling with Lucas to Florida, Guatemala, and going to Universal Studio and Harry Potter World. 
Lucas stud studied music at Moritz State University and continued his studies working toward his master's in music after moving back to the Minneapolis area. He really enjoyed his work as a sound technician at downtown clubs and teaching music lessons to children. He started the struggle with all the inner city turmoil and he moved to Fargo for a change. He was not able to work due to mental health issues and in order to get financial assistance, you need to have a diagnosis. When Lucas eventually <clears throat> was admitted for care, he was diagnosed as bipolar and he fell on the schizophrenia spectrum. He always felt he was misdiagnosed and who knows, maybe he was. It all became to be too much and he moved back home. He was prescribed medications, but he did not like how they made him feel and eventually went off them. He lost faith in doctors and modern medicine. He refused to go to the clinic or hospital. Lucas tried to fix himself by using vocal and physical techniques and he medicated with alcohol and cannabis. Lucas did a lot of journaling explaining what he was doing and how he was fixing his body. At times he had good days where he participated in family activities and was very helpful and at times he had darker days. A person struggling with mental health issue is unable to work on relationships with others because they are so focused on getting themselves through the day. Eventually he was not able to work and he started losing weight. His self-care became too much and we later found out from the autopsy that he also suffered from cancer. Lucas was slowly losing his way and his light was dimming. But Jesus never gave up on him and he gave his parents, he gave him God gave Jesus parents that never gave up on him. Jesus was with Lucas through all this darkness and trials and finally said enough and took him into the light. Jesus is home with no illness and no darkness. Romans 3.12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Um, may Jesus always be with you all in your hearts and let him be your hope and your light. And I want to finish with Grandma Signe's favorite saying, remember Jesus loves you. At this time there will be a, re, um, oh, Bar Gordy's eulogy now, yes. Lucas was, uh, he wrote a lot of poems, and he was very good at it. Uh, this is one here that's called Let the Wind Carry You Home. It's by Lucas, and he had the scripture reading with this. It's John 15, verses 1 through 15, um, however that correlates. But this is the poem. Are you happy with the life that you've led? Would you change the world if you could? Are you smiling through the tears that you've shed? Have you traded all bad times for good? Do you wonder where the magic has gone? As the beauty of simple things fades, are you looking through a pair of dark eyes, seeing the sun, the sun in the shade? If you don't see the light, you've got to let yourself shine with courage from heaven above. You're never alone, for you have the true vine, which bears all fruits with love. Is your future still lost in the past? Will the end be back at the start? Are you broken beyond all repair? Or can you find strength in your heart? Will your questions bring the answers you seek? What do your actions portray? Is your freedom still locked up in chains? Does tomorrow look a lot like today? Well, the tables have turned and the rules have been burned. Don't let this feeling die young. Because all you've got now are the lessons you've learned. 
take a look at who you've become. The sinking ship still sails to a shore unknown, but when the ocean fails, let the wind carry you home. 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 Now there will be a reading by Loretta. I noticed how Gordy shook a lot, so I had to bring my own equipment. And I think Greg could have probably taken care of it for me a little bit, but he didn't. <laughs> oh, where do I stand? Probably I'm telling a story, and it's a story more of my life, probably. But boy, does it start to, uh, it will start to be Debbie's life. So this is my life. December 31st, 1988, New Year's Eve, changed my life forever. A few days later, January 3rd, 1989, I called my Aunt Arlene, whose son Mike died in 1971, and I asked her, Arlene, how do you go on? This is so hard to handle. Several months later, I asked Debbie to help me assemble pictures for a photo scrapbook album of Steve, as it was just too difficult to start by myself. Well, last week, Debbie called me, and she asked me, Aunt Loretta, how do you go on? How do you handle this? This is so hard to handle. Here's my response. Dearest Debbie, Pablo, Sammy, Emily, and, and Archie and Theo, su familia. Why is it that this Christmas holiday season, a time filled with so much giving and joy, can become the most devastating time in your life? I wonder if Mary, as a mother, looked lovingly at baby Jesus and truly thought about what his future would hold. I am so, so sorry to hear of the loss of Lucas, your son, your brother, your uncle. Nothing, nothing, nothing ever prepares you for this devastating loss. You are now members of the same club to which I myself belong. I remember some days crying until I screamed to no avail trying to cope with the loss of my Steve. I don't think I could concentrate on anything productive for a year, much less read a book. But we all grieve those same steps, shock and denial, anger and bargaining, depression and reflection, and finally, finally, acceptance and hope. No particular order, but the goal is acceptance and hope. But just beware, holiday flashbacks, birthday flashbacks, even music flashbacks will happen. 
it's all okay. One memorial message I received back in 1989 was from a mother who had also lost a son. The statement still resonates with me today, and it's this. While other classmates and friends of Steve's age go on with their lives, Steve is always going to remain 24. At first, it hurt to see his peer, peers marry and have families become, and become productive citizens. But gradually, I started to appreciate all 24 years that I did have with Steve. And I no longer make those comparisons. Even though 35 years have passed, at times, it still is difficult to handle reflecting about Steve's life, his hopes, and his dreams. And as you ponder your coming days and months and years, keep Lucas's memory close. Because in ret retrospect, I still st think of Steve daily with a smile on my face. Our children come into our lives and they leave footprints on our hearts. The funny things they did, the talents they had, their first birthday, their first word, their last birth birthday are now golden memories. Hold tight to those golden memories of Lucas's 31 years for comfort and lean on your family and friends for strength. For when someone you love becomes a memory, that memory becomes a treasure. Please take time to heal. Though I used to hate it when people used to say this, time goes by so slowly. But eventually it does help. Find strength in each other as I did with my girls, and even learn to laugh again. I know this letter can't suffice, but my hugs and thoughts and prayers are with you all. I never, ever asked why, or I thought shoulda, woulda, coulda. It can only tear you apart to no positive avail. God chose an angel to watch over you. And que la paz y el consuelo de Dios te den fuerza, which was my translation is, may God's peace and comfort give you strength. And thank you for your help. My many, many thoughts and prayers to you all at this very difficult time and always. Much, much love, Aunt Loretta. This time, Bob and Jane will be singing, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. Jesus said, and today 
of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I met Lucas just a few years ago, and I knew him to be a grandson of Louise, who is very dear to us and to me. And um, I met him at a very difficult time in his life. And 
I really enjoyed my visits with him. Lucas was extremely intelligent. He didn't say a lot of words, but the words he spoke carried a lot of weight. Um, but <clears throat> Lucas gave me a gift, and I would like to give that to you today. So you might, when, we, when I start to read this text and you see it come up on the screen, you might think this is an odd funeral text. Um, but um, I think it is fitting for um, what I knew of Lucas and the discussions we had and um, what I believe would be a good way to honor him. So our sermon text is found in Matthew chapter 11, and we'll read verses 2 to 11. And we read in Jesus' name. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go, and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet. Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is, of who, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We pray, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a problem in Christianity today, and I think it's one that's getting slightly better, but... When someone is diagnosed with a terminal illness, most of the time they are very quick to talk about it and to request prayer and help. But when someone is struggling with a mental illness, it's almost like we can't talk about it. And it's very tragic. I met Lucas at Prairie St. John's Hospital in Fargo, which was an institution for those who are struggling with mental health issues. And um, I visited Lucas on a few occasions there, and we had wonderful discussions. But the best discussion that I had with him was the one where he told me that he was struggling with his faith, that he was doubting the existence of God. And the reason that was so special to me is because I myself have been in that very same spot but I never once had the courage to talk about it. And the fact that he did was a very wonderful gift to me. But me and Lucas began to visit, and I don't pretend to remember everything that I said to him or that he said to me. But in the end, he asked if he could do confession and absolution and he confessed his sins 
And I proclaim to him the absolution, that is, that God has forgiven him all of his sins and he can believe them all forgiven in the precious name and blood of Jesus. In our text, John the Baptist is in prison. This is John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the one who baptized him, the one who saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove from heaven and heard from God himself speaking from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And yet, when he finds himself imprisoned for rebuking the king, for doing something that was detestable, he hears of Christ, he hears of Jesus and his ministry, and he sends two of his disciples to Jesus to ask this question. Are you the one, or should we look for another? Are you the one that should come, or do we have to look for someone else? How many times has a variation of that question been on your heart? Towards God. Towards Jesus. Now, there's two ways traditionally that this has been interpreted. A lot of people say, and I think this might even be the more popular view today, that John was um, being a little bit sly that he wanted his disciples to meet Jesus, and so he sent them to ask this question that perhaps they had. And um, the goal being that they would then become Jesus' disciples and get to know him better, that he wasn't actually going through difficulty himself. And the other one is that John was going through what we would call the dark night of the soul. I don't even think I need to explain what that is. We've all had those nights where sleep eludes us and thoughts arise and doubts and fears assail us. But when we consider Jesus' response, we can understand what was truly happening with John. Jesus does not take these disciples into his house and begin to teach them and instruct them. He does not take them under his wing and make them his disciples. But he sends them back to John with a word of encouragement. Because John himself was struggling with doubt. The reason we even have that other interpretation is because that same epidemic that is among us with mental illness is also there when it comes to doubt. We all feel so afraid to talk about it. And we can't even imagine that someone like John the Baptist himself would have doubts. But Lucas taught me that it's okay. That's a gift that I'll treasure because when we keep those things to ourselves, that's when they begin to fester. The devil takes a hold of them and he ruins us with it. But just like with our sin, when we give voice to that which bothers us, there is great comfort and peace, especially with the response that God gives. So was John the Baptist, was his ministry entirely unaffected? Do we find him to be a fraudster at the end because he had doubts? No. Think about it this way. Lifeguards are taught and instructed that when they go and save someone who is drowning, that if all, at all possible, they do not get within arm's reach of that person. Instead, they extend a flotation device or another way to help them. 
Because when people are drowning, they cling to whatever comes near them, even if it's at the expense of their life and the person who's saving them. And people have died in an attempt to rescue someone because they were drowned by the person they were trying to save. But if a lifeguard himself finds himself to be drowning, do you think he's going to have complete presence of mind? Or do you think he's going to be like everyone else and latch on to the first thing that comes his way? Does this mean he's a bad lifeguard? Does this mean he doesn't believe in the training? Does this mean we should not think about anything else that he has done? No. What it means is a truth about us as human beings, that when we're undergoing stress and hard times, we panic, we struggle, we doubt, and we fear. And I'm here to tell you today that that is completely normal. And actually, for the Christian, doubt, well, it's a good thing. Because in order to doubt, you must first have faith. An unbeliever does not care about these questions because they do not believe. It is only those who have faith that care about these things. And Lucas cared. John the Baptist, we're told that he was the, the greatest of all of the prophets, that he was the greatest born of woman. And he had doubts. And Jesus' response to him is the same. It is, it is what, what you would think of as the most loving and kind response. He sends these men back to him to encourage him about what is going on and what is happening. It'd be like if you were getting married and uh, on your wedding night you tell your spouse that you're having doubts about all of this. Now, the spouse could be like most of us would and be like, are you kidding me? How could you bring this to me now? But Jesus' response is essentially, yes, I am the one and I love you very much. That's how God's heart is toward us. That's how his heart is toward Lucas. Great love and affection. You see, there are going to be many more times in our life where we have an opportunity or cause to struggle, to doubt, to panic when we feel like we're drowning and we feel like the walls are closing in around us. And the temptation is going to be to keep quiet. It perhaps, for a lot of people, these questions come in when they face death, when they face the loss of a loved one. We have all sorts of questions. God, how could you allow this to happen to someone so young? How could you care about this and not that? Are you even here? And in keeping quiet, we're letting the enemy win. But when we bring these things out into the light, God is faithful. One of my favorite accounts of the ministry of Jesus is when he is in the boat and the storm is assailing the sea and the disciples get scared and they look over and they see Jesus sleeping. And they go and they wake him up and say, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And he rebukes them for their lack of faith. And he calms the storm. There are going to be many times in our life where we think that Jesus isn't there, that he's sleeping, that he's not present. But in due time, he will rise up and show us that he is in control. We just don't see the big picture. So in this moment... Like John the Baptist, if you find yourself having doubts like Lucas did in those moments with me, 
hear the word of our Lord. Though your, skins, though your sins be as scarlet, I have washed them white as snow. This is what the prophet says. When Paul was struggling with the thorn in his flesh, he prayed to God. And God's response was, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's a lesson that takes a long time to understand, but I think Lucas got it. And I think we get it with, his, with the help of the Lord. We sing from when we're young, we are weak, but he is strong. And yet we always think our job is to be strong. But the greatest strength is laying bare your weakness and understanding that it's not us, but it's God for us. And let me tell you, there will be a day of joy. There is sorrow now at the loss of a loved one. But when the day of resurrection comes, we will all stand before the Lord with joy. Because on that judgment day, the one who will be judging us is the one who took our sin upon his shoulders and paid the penalty for our sin. So that we, with Lucas and all the saints, may gather before that throne and hear those blessed words. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom which has been prepared for you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not because we were strong and faithful, but because God is faithful. And so you, dear Christian, can believe all your sins forgiven according to the precious name and blood of Jesus. They have been cast as far as the east is from the west, and God doesn't remember them anymore. Your sins are forgiven, and eternal life is yours in Christ. And we eagerly await that reunion when we, with all the faithful, will stand before the throne and hear those blessed words and see our friend, our brother, our son, our grandson, see Lucas in that innumerable multitude that no man can number. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray to the Lord our God and Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Almighty God, you have knit your chosen people together into one communion in the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Give to your whole church in heaven and on earth your light and your peace. Grant that all who have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection may die to sin and rise to newness of life and so pass with him through the gate of death and the grave to our joyful resurrection. Grant that all who have been nourished by the holy body and blood of your Son may be raised to immortality and incorruption to be seated with him at your heavenly banquet. Give to the family of Lucas and to all who mourn comfort in their grief and assure confidence in your loving care that casting all their sorrow on you, they may know the consolation of your love. <clears throat> Give courage and faith to the bereaved that within the communion of your church, they may have strength to meet the days ahead in the assurance of a holy and certain hope and in the joyful expectation of eternal life with those they love who have departed in the faith. Help us, we pray, in the midst of things we cannot understand to believe and find comfort in the communion of saints <laughs> the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Draw, us near, draw near to us in our deepest sorrow and comfort with the tragic death of Lucas, with the protection of the cross and resurrection. Receive our thanks for Lucas and for all the blessings you bestowed on him in this earthly life. Bring us at last to our heavenly home, that with him we may see you face to face in the joys of paradise. 
O God of all grace, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to bring life and immortality to light. We give you thanks that by his death he destroyed the power of death, and by his resurrection he opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Strengthen us in the confidence that because he lives, we shall live also, and that neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come will be able to separate us from your love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, there will be a song sung in, in Spanish by Pablo's family. Okay, this is Pablo's very large family, but I know that this is Tonio. Some of you know as Tonio, or we call him Antonio. And this is Shinny. She's the baby of the family. Can I say that? Yes. This is Flora, friend of Tonio. This is Gustavo. And this is, you're the baby. I'm sorry. I thought it was Shinny. You get that You get that special place. Okay. And this is, the last one over there is a milk car. Where's the other one? Where's Joan? Joan doesn't sing Spanish. She doesn't sing Spanish. Well, she better learn. I will teach her. <laughs> okay? And then there's Paul. Pablo's the oldest one in the group, okay? Yeah. I won. Okay. Yes. Okay, I just got to say something. Pablo and I were on the way here to from Minneapolis, and he looked in the sky, and he said, there's a heart in the sky. I said, look, it's Lucas looking down at us. Did I say that? And then I want to say this. The day that Lucas died, I cried and cried the whole day. And little Archie, little Archie who's got red hair, you've seen him running around. He loves to run. So watch out. <laughs> he saw I was crying. He came up. He put his hand on my back. And he rubbed my back. He said, Grandma, it will be, be okay, Lucas, in, in heaven. Bless those little, little boy. He was just a child. He was consoling me. Enjoy the music. It's wonderful. Lucas sang the song at my, my, my dad's funeral, and it was beautiful. Lucas did a wonderful job. Yeah, it's called Bienvenido. Welcome. I suppose you can think of welcome to heaven, maybe. Gracias, Dios. Bienvenido. 
behalf of Lucas's family, I'd like to thank everyone for, for coming, for your love and support and your prayers. Immediately following this service, there will be a committal service at the Woodland Cemetery. Those who are um, unable to attend the, the graveside service are welcome to eat, eat lunch right now. There's food and fellowship in the fellowship hall. Our recessional song is My Savior First of All. And if I could get the congregation to rise if you're able, and the family will be dismissed, and then you guys will be welcome to leave following the final song. <laughs> 